0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Switched Podcast. I'm your host, Hyrulean, and I am here today to bring you the 2022 edition of the Hyrule Awards. If you're unaware of what the Hyrule Awards are, every year I, your host, Hyrulean, hosts a special episode of the Switched Podcast where I give my pick for game of the year for the given year, along with discussing some other great titles that happened to release as well. I've also kind of dabbled with the idea of including music in movies as well, but this year we are keeping it pure and classic and strictly about games. And I always have sort of a subtitle for this award show as well to kind of describe how the year went for me when it comes to playing games. Last year, aka 2021 that we did the award show for was more or less the backlog year where I sort of cleared some games out of my backlog. And 2022 was very much the year of indie games. Nearly all of my favorite games from the year 2022 were indie games with a few major exceptions. With that being said, I'm going to make it my goal My mission, even to highlight some of the best indie games that released in 2022, because somebody's got to do it. Some of these indie games have received plenty of high praise and notoriety, but that being said, some of these I feel like have kind of been swept under the rug for a lot of people. So, folks, I hope you're excited for this year's edition of the Hyrule Awards. We've got a lot of excellent games to talk about. So, let's get right into it. Now, myself and many other gamers out there are very much guilty of creating an unfathomably long backlog. And I even had last year, 2021, as my year where I started to tackle some of those games from my backlog. But even so, I did not even put a dent into the list of games that I owned that I had yet to play. So I kept up with that a little bit in 2022. And one of those games is going to get the Hyrule Award for my favorite game that I took off the backlog this year. And that game is none other than Toby Fox's excellent Undertale. Undertale came out about seven years ago and took the internet by storm. Fandoms were born for not only Undertale itself, but also many fan projects that were spun off of the game and its world as well, and the entire internet was dominated by Undertale culture and Undertale fever for many years. And I myself and many others were turned off of the idea of playing Undertale because of that community being so massive and so sprawling and so captivating, if you will. And while I'm not trying to insult anyone, I think we can agree there was quite a large amount of cringe in the Undertale fandom as well, and I think that just kind of made Undertale have this really bad reputation. And as such, even though I own the game on PC from around when it launched, and I even picked it up on the Switch later on, hoping to play it there, I still was always kind of, I don't know how to put this nicely, turned away from playing the game because I was intimidated by its community of players. But in the year of our Lord and Savior 2022, I decided to bite the bullet and give Undertale a try on a random day and man oh man do I regret not picking this game up sooner. Seriously, Undertale is a culmination of creativity, uniqueness, and just good game design, and it is a crowning jewel of indie development. The game has some of the best music ever put in a video game, and Toby Fox really outdid himself with every other aspect of the game as well, him and his team crafted an unforgettable narrative and stunningly unique gameplay that kept me interested for basically an entire playthrough where I did not put the game down the entire time. And it was such an enjoyable trip. It really was a super enjoyable trip and I could not stop playing it once I started. The characters are lovable and unique. And the gameplay is seriously so interesting. If you're uninformed, Undertale's key feature when it comes to the gameplay is that in addition to fighting things, you can also just talk to the enemies and convince them to not fight you in most cases. And that was such a fun feature for me because I hate your standard JRPG turn-based combat loop And Undertale kind of does it in a unique way. So I really, really appreciated that. And the story, man, the story. I was cringing at all the fan fiction that I would see online when the game was super popular. And I did not expect the story to actually make me get emotional. So the game really outdid itself and it met the hype from its super dedicated community And it really blew me away, and I'm hoping in 2023 to possibly at some point, if I can squeeze it in, take on Deltarune. But I will definitely be playing at some point, even if it doesn't fit into my very busy 2023 schedule. And Toby Fox did great work on the game, and it helped him get his foot in the door to help out on different projects from Nintendo. And he even got to make some music for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, so... Really, really good stuff all around, and that's why Undertale receives the Hyrule Award for Best of the Backlog. It seriously was such a delight to play. If you're anything like me, you are a big fan of The Legend of Zelda. And you're probably waiting for Tears of the Kingdom very anxiously. If you need something to play until then, may I present to you the winner for best visual style Tunic. Tunic is a Zelda clone, for lack of a better term, but it takes that classic link to the past style of Zelda game and moves it into a 3D isometric style and turns everything up to 11. The game has outstanding music, engaging gameplay with excellent puzzles and of course a beautiful graphical style. This game not only has beautiful polyesque esque uh, graphics, if you will, it also has a manual that you can collect as you play. And this manual has a wonderful hand-drawn art style and is a delight to look at. And that's why Tunic is the winner of our Outstanding Visual Style Hyrule Award this year. Tunic is seriously a delight to play folks and I cannot express that enough. I beat Tunic primarily on my PC and my Steam Deck but it is also available on Xbox and Nintendo Switch, of course, and all of the versions I've heard run fairly comparably, so whatever platform you play it on, you're sure to have a good time. I did a full review of Tunic a while back, but the TLDR is uh, basically Tunic takes sort of that classic Zelda gameplay and improves upon it, and it really makes you think, and the only major drawback, in my opinion, is if you're not... Uh, willing to kind of figure out what the manual is trying to tell you because you can't fully read it all the time, you're going to have a really hard time because a lot of the game's mechanics are not explained through tutorials and instead are explained in the manual and it might not even be in English because there's a fake language in the game and the manual basically has English portions and other portions that are in this imaginary language and it's up to you to decipher sort of what the pages are trying to tell you in order to progress in the game in order to make your character better and that kind of thing and I'm not going to lie the first handful of hours of the game I struggled so hard because I did not realize some of the mechanics that were in the game to power up my little fox dude And as such, I was getting absolutely fucking walloped by every single enemy after a certain point. And it got so bad that I did drop the game for quite a while. But when I did pick it back up, I started reading the manual some more. And I figured out ways to buff my character that made that boss fight that was insanely difficult a little bit easier. And I was able able to jump over that hump and the rest of the game I kind of knew what to expect. And it was difficult, but it was manageable, so... That is my biggest advice for anybody getting into Tunic. Make sure you refer to the manual, and try and figure out what it's trying to tell you. Seek out as many pages as possible, and if you're into this kind of thing, do not look anything up online, because if you look stuff up online, You're going to get lots and lots of mechanics spoiled for you, and a big chunk of the intrigue that I had for this game was trying to decipher the manual and figure out what it was trying to tell me. And it really was a great time. It was such a fun game, and the vibe is outstanding. The music is so serene when it needs to be and so intense when it needs to be And the low-poly isometric art style is very, very excellent. And the cherry on top is that excellent hand-drawn manual. It's seriously so unique, and it's such a cool idea for both gameplay and art alike. So that's why for the 2022 Hyrule Awards, Tunic has to get our Outstanding Visual Style Hyrule Award. So... There we have it, folks. Go play Tunic. I've gone on record, no pun intended, saying multiple times that if I wasn't into video games, I would definitely be a music nerd. I love music. I love listening to it. I love dabbling with making it. I just really, really enjoy it. And while I'm not the biggest audiophile in the world, I do love a good video game soundtrack. I am the type of person where if a video game's soundtrack is good enough, I will listen to it outside of the game, which is kind of a heinous act for some people, but other people that are like-minded to myself uh, will agree that some of the best music ever made is amongst the files of a video game in the form of a video game soundtrack. So this year at the Hyrule Awards, I wanted to highlight what, in my opinion, is 2022's best video game soundtrack. And there are lots of possible contenders for this. God of War Ragnarok, for example, had one of the most beautiful orchestrated soundtracks of all time. But rather than highlighting a big budget title like that, I'm going to highlight another indie game that blew my mind with how good the soundtrack is. And that game was none other than Neon White. Neon White, for a brief introduction, is basically a first-person parkour speedrun game with a very over-the-top anime art style and outstanding music. All of the music for the game is fast-paced and upbeat electronic music made by none other than Machine Girl. And it's outstanding it's seriously so like boppy and high pace and it really fits the game perfectly because the music is constantly making you continue to kind of increase your heart rates every second you spend in the game this music is blasting in your ears and you just feel badass every time you beat a level you're like, whoa, because you went through the level so fast and the music was playing and you feel like the most incredible gamer of all time. And yes, I know that sounds cringy as all hell, but that's exactly the feeling that me and my friends got when we played the game. It's just so great when it's like, uh, here's my little rendition. When you start a level and it's like tick-tock tick-tock, And, like, you're going through the level, it's like... And then after you beat the level, it's like... It's such a cool feeling, and you definitely need to hop over to YouTube right now and listen to the Neon White soundtrack, because it's so cool. It's seriously so cool. I've always been kind of hit or miss on Machine Girl, and the neon white album hit it hit just right and i think a big part of that was the fact that it was connected to this absolutely wonderful game neon white is all about completing levels as fast as possible racing your friends getting high scores finding shortcuts and like kind of doing the whole like murder bad guys doom thing but like a hundred times faster and i love it and i have not beaten the game. Mostly thanks to my friends who I got into the game, only for them to become obsessed with getting lower and lower and lower and lower times on the first world. And so we spent the majority of the time in the game just racing each other on the first world. I myself made it quite a ways in, but I never beat it because I kept having to go back to try and defend my title. And then my friends managed to pull so far ahead of me that I did not even have a shot and it became a race between those two, and I kind of got a little hurt, and I stopped playing the game. But I know in 2023, I'm going to pick Neon White back up, I'm going to finish the story as cringy as it is, and it's going to be a blast. Because I played quite a bit of it, honestly. And the music is seriously so good, so... There we have it, folks. Neon White is getting the Hyrule Award for Best Soundtrack this year. Back in the year 2020, when we weren't scavenging our local target with itchy things on our faces, we were at home playing a little game called Animal Crossing New Horizons. And in 2022, we got a new indie game that gave us a little taste of the fun we had back in 2020 with Animal Crossing. And that game was Dinkum. Dinkum is basically an indie developer's take on Animal Crossing New Horizons with a sort of fuck Nintendo spin thrown in. And the reason I say that is this game is not afraid to remind you that it's not a Nintendo game. You can be killed by alligators <laughs> or crocodiles. One of the two. Is it Crocs? I think it's Crocs in Australia, right? Yeah, I think it's Crocs in Australia. Crocodiles. Um. Either way, Dinkum, the story goes like this. Basically... You live in Boring City, in a similar vein to Stardew Valley, and you want to get out. And you have an out in the form of this random ass old lady who asks if you want to come with her to this random island uh, that her, like, dad worked on or something. And you go there and you build a town, in a very similar vein to Animal Crossing. But I want to remind you this is not a bad thing. And basically, over the course of the game's content, you will attract npcs to your town and they'll stay intense and you'll have to complete little quests for them to win them over and then they will move in sound familiar you bet it does but hey you know what this game is unique enough to set itself apart from animal crossing here's some features that i really really like the digging system is very different because when you dig you actually dig out a chunk of earth and you can place it down in a different place to kind of do terraforming, and you can do this from the start. And there's treasure hunting as well, and each ground tile is basically potentially able to hold treasure, so you have to use a metal detector to kind of scan the earth, and that was so much fun back when I did that a ton. The fishing is different enough from Animal Crossing to make it enjoyable, Uh, but that being said, it's not quite as fleshed out. That kind of goes for everything in this game. But something that is interesting and unique compared to Animal Crossing is hunting. You can go hunting all sorts of animals and bring their food back to town and cook it up and eat it. And there's an energy bar so you're gonna need to, you know, kill some shit and keep your energy up. But that being said, the game never does feel tedious in that way. And a big part of the game for me personally was completing quests for the different NPCs. Not only is there a quest board, you can also go talk to the NPCs and ask them if they need help with anything, like Animal Crossing, and they will give you a little quest for something to do. It's such a charming game, seriously. It's got some, you know, some quirky early access Steam jank to it, but... Underneath all that is a wonderful Animal Crossing clone highly themed after Australia and the Australian Outback. It's got some fresh and unique things that it does because Nintendo isn't breathing down their back and it's really, really, really swell. Currently the game has about 40 or so hours of content by my mark. And I completed that, and I put the game down, and I was very satisfied. And I can't wait for the solo developer to get some more content made, and I'll definitely be jumping back into that game at some point in the future as well. Seriously, it's so much more fun to explore the massive island in this game than the Animal Crossing island, because there's lots of fresh and new shit to find, there's secrets, It's just a really unique take on the sort of Animal Crossing style, and I really, really appreciated it. Oh, and I didn't even mention the fact that there's multiplayer, and since it's Nintendo, or since it isn't Nintendo, it actually functions. I think I made my point, folks. Dinkum is basically a little bit more of a hardcore Animal Crossing that kind of spits in the face of Nintendo's sort of old-fashioned game development and provides a unique and fun indie experience for pc players that want that animal crossing kick to go away so go check it out best life simulation game (laughs) i didn't even say that huh yeah it wins best life simulation game at hyrule awards let's talk about the best debut indie of 2022, Vampire Survivors. Vampire Survivors was thrown up on Steam randomly one day and took the internet by storm. It's basically a hack and slash bullet hell game, except the enemies are the ones who are experiencing the bullet hell and you're the one providing it. It basically works like this. You play as one of many survivors, and you drop into one of the pre made maps, and essentially you just try and survive wave after wave. Each enemy that's killed drops a gem, and the gem uh, increases your experience level. And after you jump a level, you get to uh, purchase one unlock. And basically, each of those unlocks allow you to become more and more powerful, have different types of weapons, different types of projectiles, larger area size projectiles, that kind of thing. And essentially, in a very roguelike fashion, you try and beef your guy up in order to defeat increasing waves of difficult enemies. And there can be thousands of enemies on the screen at any given time and it's very easy after you get the hang of the game and kind of figure out what items to choose when you level up to last 30 minutes on a run and just be untouchable. I know recently I had a run where basically I was playing this nun lady and she has holy water that she throws on the ground and it creates like an area of effect splash damage and I leveled it up so far that the holy water she was throwing out like 10 of them and they were circling all around her and that was on top of all these different like magical spells and things that she was shooting and basically I set the game down left my computer running, went to the bathroom, got a snack, got a drink. 15 minutes passed, and I came back, and I had not touched the game, and I was still alive. And that's how you know that you're doing well in Vampire Survivors, is when you don't play the game, you can like just set it down and walk away, and you're still winning. And it feels great. It's a very tactile, like dopamine rush kind of game, because... There's also like randomly tougher enemies, and the tougher enemies, if you defeat them, they drop chests. And the chests, when you open them, act like a Mario Kart item box, like roulette kind of thing. And you see all the possible items that you can get on that particular m- chest, and they kind of fly by, and it goes like do do little do little do little, and it stops, and you see what you get. And not only can you get one random item that way, and that's already dopamine enough, you can also get up to five. <laughs> like, just on a luck basis, instead of getting one item, you could get up to five instead. And that could give you a huge boost to your power. And all of a sudden you're going from like doing pretty okay to just decimating all of the enemies for the next like ten levels or so. And it's great. It's seriously such a fun little pick-up-and-play jaunt. And I love it to pieces. I finally put a decent amount of time into this game. And I've managed to unlock a decent amount of stuff. But there's still so much to do. And then randomly the other day, they drop on the store for $1.99 a DLC that adds like 15 more hours of content apparently. So that was really exciting. And essentially, that's 15 more hours of the same kind of gameplay we've already been getting. But that's not a bad thing. Usually, you want, like, a lot different in DLCs. But for Vampire Survivors, I was like, just give me more of the same shit and I will be happy. And that's exactly what they did. It's seriously such a fun game. And it, like is so cheap. It's probably the best value in gaming history. I did a whole bonus points on Vampire Survivors when it came out and I started playing it and I just kind of ranted about how fun and excellent it was and I had barely scratched the surface. I've still barely scratched the surface. I've put like 40 hours in the game and I I've still only unlocked, like, probably 50% of the stuff in the game, including the DLC content. So, that's not too bad for $5. So, it's needless to say, Vampire Survivors, Breakaway Hit. It's available now on phones as well, and you can download it for free, which is a huge plus. It's just kind of shocking how good it is for sort of what you'd expect... Uh, If you knew what it was going into it. It's a very different kind of game. It's a very unique kind of game. And it's very fun. And that's why Vampire Survivors wins the Hyrule Award for Best Debut Indie. And seriously, graphically, it's not much to call home about. Musically, it's pretty good. But it's not as good as, say, Tunic or Neon White. But it's that gameplay. That gameplay is so addicting and so dopamine inducing it's like I can't not give it my favorite indie game of 2022 because it just is that good and I can't wait to see what they do with it in the future apparently they've got a big update planned where the game's going to move from this random ass uh, cheapo indie game engine to Unity And that should be a big push. And apparently all our save data is going to carry over, but the game should perform better. And it should actually have proper widescreen support, which it doesn't even have right now. But I'm hyped either way. And even if it doesn't improve that drastically, it's already a great deal. It's already a great package. What are you waiting for? It's so cheap. You know, don't buy your Starbucks latte today. Buy Vampire Survivors instead you'll get a lot more value out of it, and it won't take away from your lifespan, it'll instead make your lifespan that you have already more worth it. Every company has to have its own version of a Spotify wrapped style thing these days, and Valve's PC game platform Steam is no different. Uh, And my Steam replay was filled with all sorts of insightful information about how many games I'd tried on my Steam Deck, how many hours i put in across all platforms, and much, much more. And amongst all of those great gaming statistics, one that stood out to me was the game that I played the most on Steam. And it's honestly a game that after I finished, I kind of put down and didn't think about for quite a while. And that game was none other than Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, our Hyrule Award winner for Best Family Game. Skywalker Saga was basically a long time coming in the fact that it was announced many years ago, but it did finally release in 2022. And it's essentially the most complete Lego game we've ever had to date. It's got the most content, it's got the most representation, it's got everything. It covers all nine Star Wars main films, and you can play through the story modes, and it's got this whole open world thing going on, and it's really, really crazy and impressive. They did not reuse any content from LEGO Star Wars The Complete Saga. This is all built from the ground up. And I had a blast with it. As a matter of fact, I finished the game around May 4th, conveniently, and I recorded and uploaded a four-hour podcast on May the 4th where I talked exclusively about LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. So I'm going to keep this segment kind of short. But the TLDR of that entire four-hour adventure is basically my bag fell. Um, I really admired how TT Games were not afraid to bring something new to the table, try something unique and I felt that I was playing the most advanced LEGO game to date and one of the best Star Wars games to date as well. The main thing that I kind of left that game with was kind of wishing that there was more of it. I really was anticipating them doing DLC for The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and other Star Wars TV shows because we got characters but we did not get levels and I'm very sad to report they have not as of yet done any sort of level DLCs it's been exclusively characters and characters are all fine and good but you can only play through the same level so many times so the replay value of Skywalker Saga kind of went down quite a bit, uh, especially compared to the other titles where you were kind of forced to replay the levels as different characters to find stuff. I don't think I replayed a single story mission, but I did manage to unlock every single character in the game, so the game did end up feeling a little bit shallow from. replayability standpoint but otherwise the sheer amount of content was very impressive and I had a blast with my time with it it seriously is such a great game and I only wish that I was a small child again because I know that if I was a small child I would enjoy it even more than I did as an adult because it's obvious that it's geared towards everyone so obviously you know a 20 year old man like myself is not going to get as much out of the game as a literal child, but I just wished I could go back to the days where me and my brother were kind of doing uh, drop-in, drop-out co-op on the complete saga, because if we had Skywalker Saga, that game would provide us with hours and hours of content, and as it stands right now, for a child, I'm sure it would be one of their favorite games, especially if they were big Star Wars fans. But as an adult, I found it to be more of an experience that I picked up, finished to whatever completion that I felt like, and then put it down and kind of haven't really thought about it since it did come out. But doing some remembering for this segment, doing some note taking for this segment, I did find myself reminiscing on my playtime in the game. Because it really was such a huge evolution over the old LEGO Star Wars games. It seriously is the perfect modern take on the old LEGO Star Wars formula. And I really hope they do some more stuff with it in the future and don't let it sort of lay dormant. It was seriously such a huge missed opportunity to not allow the game to have online multiplayer too because... I had multiple friends who wanted to play online with me but unfortunately it is only local multiplayer and our Steam play was not working very well so I didn't really get to experience multiplayer in the game whatsoever but hey I'd love to do a local multiplayer replay at some point if I ever find anybody to play it with so there we have it folks LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga the best family game of 2022. Folks, it's time for the moment you've all been waiting for. My pick for Game of the Year. And of course, if you've been listening to the podcast at all recently, you'll already know what I'm going to pick. God of War Ragnarok. God of War Ragnarok is a masterpiece. It's a game that I went as far as to say in my recent review was one of gaming's biggest blockbusters ever created it is a phenomenal experience to summarize my thoughts from my full review that i did recently god of war ragnarok picks up right where god of war 2018 left off and basically brings up everything to a hundred times more great than it already was the story is even more impressive and all of the new characters are excellent the stakes are a lot higher and as such everything feels more interesting and more important the gameplay is polished and enhanced with tons of new stuff being added as well the combat is even more fleshed out and interesting and fun to do the locales are even larger and even more open and you're able to do tons and tons of side content if you'd like, and it's significantly more interesting and less tedious than anything in the first game. Specifically, the Vanaheim Crater area really blew me away, because it was a whole side area of the game where you didn't have to even do it if you wanted, but it was just two hours of extra goodness that was sort of tucked away and there for those who explored and found it, and I really, really enjoyed that section of the game. And on top of all of that, great score, lovely orchestral soundtrack, phenomenal voice acting. As a matter of fact, the guy who voiced Kratos, uh, the guy who voiced Kratos, did so well that he actually won the game award for best voice actor, and that was really great to see. It was so funny though; Atreus's voice actor was up for the game award for best voice actor as well. And I was like, yeah, right. They made Atreus slightly less annoying in this new game, but he's still... I'm not a huge fan of him as a character, and he still kind of is that annoying child. And he got better by the end of the game, but not better enough to justify, you know, him being one of the best-performed characters ever. Kratos, on the other hand, he is so iconic as Kratos... Uh, I believe his name's Christopher Judge. Maybe I'm misremembering that. I think it's Christopher Judge. He did such a great job as Kratos that even though I've never played the original God of War games, I have a feeling that even fans of the original will probably have a hard time going back to them because Judge does such such a better job as Kratos than whoever voiced him in the original games, I feel like. Just from the clips I've seen and the fact that we're talking about sort of a simple story hack and slash game versus this complex winding narrative of these new games, I feel like it'd be really hard to go back for old players and for new players alike, like myself. But God of War Ragnarok truly was a spectacle. It was... A blockbuster. That's seriously, I, I keep saying it, but it's the only word that accurately describes it. It felt like going to see Avengers Endgame. You know the budget was huge. You know the stakes were high. All of the characters are pushed to their absolute limits. And crazy shit happens. It's just like seeing Endgame back in the day. I really enjoyed my time with it, and I am a huge God of War fan now. So, I would be remiss if I did not give this my game of the year. This was seriously such a phenomenal game. And I foresee myself going back to it at some point to finish up some of those side stuff that I never got around to. It was that good. The first game, I kind of just completed what I felt like and then put the game down. And a lot of the side content seemed a little tedious. And while I admit the arena might not really be for me necessarily because I care more about the story I am interested in doing a lot of the other side content that is available as well like the berserkers and that kind of thing they did such a good job too while I'm at it balancing the gameplay and making the difficulty more consistent across the game there's not moments where I was being so overwhelmed that I wanted to smash my fucking controller and then moments where I was having such an easy time that I thought about just stop stopping playing the game because I was bored. The game was consistently paced and consistently difficult all the way throughout. Truly an excellent, excellent title and this game, in my opinion, kind of justifies the PlayStation experience and PC players are finally starting to get a taste of it, so If you haven't played the first God of War, it's available on Steam and PS4 and PS5, and I'm sure God of War Ragnarok will make its way eventually as well, and when it does, I highly recommend it. And if you have a PS5, why haven't you played it yet? You probably have. Who am I kidding? But God of War Ragnarok has to win my game of the year for sure. Alright folks, get out that MetaQuest 2, it's time to talk about my VR game of the year. And you're probably not too surprised by the fact that I gotta give this title to Bone Lab. Bone Lab, despite its faults, is one of the most revolutionary VR games ever created. It's a title that's going to stand the test of time as something that pushed the... VR platform forward. They took everything that Boneworks did that revolutionized the industry and upped the ante on it by quite a bit and made it even more insanely crazy. The big gimmick for Boneworks was the fact that your whole body was simulated in the game with realistic physics. And for BoneLab they brought that over, improved the physics, and added the ability to body swap yourself into a multitude of different avatars that have varying levels of strength agility speed and that kind of thing and they did an outstanding job though it has to be said bone lab has not received the best reviews from other outlets, and it hasn't really received any VR Game of the Year awards either. Which is unfortunate, but I think fair. For many reasons, let's talk about a few of them. First off, Bone Lab is essentially a short campaign with a huge sandbox mode. Whereas the previous game, Bone Works, was a long campaign with a small sandbox mode. So, Bone Lab, a lot of the value is supposed to be derived from the fun you can have kind of setting up sandbox levels and doing things like messing around with NPCs and going through tactical trials and shooting ranges and that kind of thing. And unfortunately, I think people just kind of agree that the story mode in Boneworks and the story mode in Bone Lab are so great that the fact that Bone Labs was so short and you only unlocked the ability to be able to swap characters near the end of it and it barely got used was a huge missed opportunity. I think people were not super keen on how Bone Lab handled its story content and they just were left wanting more. I think personally the game is currently not worth the price on offer mostly because of the fact that it just flat out does not have enough content to justify the price tag. It needs more content and I don't think it's fair for Stress Level Zero to charge you based off of the value that could be supplied by a thriving modding community, especially considering that they have not really given us all of the necessary tools to make super comprehensive mods. And they've confirmed that they will not be allowing us to create code mods, which takes away even more possibilities for mods that can be created. Basically, we are left with more or less Uh, creating new assets to apply to existing stuff like avatars, levels, props, that kind of thing. And weapon modification and vehicle modification was not even available in the release version of the modding tools, but the community went in and added it after the fact. And it works, but it's not ideal. When they told us the game was going to be a modding platform, I think a lot of people expected more out of it, and we did not really get that. And that left many fans disappointed. But despite all of its flaws, it is still the most revolutionary virtual reality experience we have ever gotten. And I am very much looking forward to the future of the game, and I hope they rectify the lack of story content by introducing... A DLC story mode campaign uh, which they've teased throughout the story mode already in the game. Hopefully it's free too because I feel like the Bone Lab fans deserve a free expansion because of how they've stuck with the game through thick and thin. Because seriously, Boneworks when it came out took the VR community by storm and won VR game of the year across the board but Bone Lab has not received that treatment. And people aren't too keen on it, honestly. And I understand why. The value proposition is not really there, but it really is a revolutionary and great game. And that's why I'm going to give it the Hyrule Award for Best VR Game 2022. Well, folks, there we have it. That's the 2022 edition of the Hyrule Awards. I want to say a huge shout-out to everyone who followed the channel throughout the year and supported this podcast. It really means a lot. 2022 was kind of the first good year for gaming in quite a while, and I think we have a lot to look forward to in 2023. So I really cannot wait to see what comes of the year. I think we're going to get lots of new games, lots of great games and I'm going to be absolutely consumed by a lot of them, so we'll have to see what it holds. Hopefully it's good stuff, and I can provide us with even more insightful reviews to follow. But yeah, thanks for listening, folks, and have a great 2023. Bye-bye.